So again, good evening. I think some of you may have just come in for the first time. Some of you are joining us online um, from all over the place. And so I want to welcome all of you into this room. I love coming here to teach. There's something about driving uh, once you get past the all the, the downtowns and the city and all the, the busyness, and you come up over that mountain, right? And then you just sink down into the valley here. And it's just different. <laughs> it's just diff- I live in the East Bay, and it's just so different. And I love coming into a space like this with a bunch of people just like you, <laughs> Just all these, uh, there's just always a warmth and um, something about sitting in silence with a group of people who are interested in something different. And so I really appreciate you coming in and, and joining me here this evening. I'm not the regular teacher. I get to come teach this group every once in a while, and it's just always a treat. So I really want to start with um, with a story. This is something. This is a story that the few of you that I recognize in here may have heard me tell this story in the last month because it's it's it was an experience I had that has just been sitting with me and inspiring me, also making me question myself and just the way the universe works. And the moment wasn't all that extraordinary, really. I was, um, it was about a month ago. I was in my car driving somewhere. Uh, it was, I think, around rush hour, going through Oakland and uh, listening to the radio. And that's often how you'll find me <laughs> when I'm in uh, the middle of my day. And um, there had been a lot going on, as usual, um, in the world and in the country. But this was right after the shootings that happened in the mosques in New Zealand, in Christchurch. And I'm sure, just me bringing that up, that whenever something like that happens, something so horrible um, even though it's a storyline that we've now heard more than a couple of times, uh, it, it shocks us again, or it's, it um, affects us in a certain way. Those experiences, even though it couldn't be further away on the planet, it has a ripple effect, doesn't it? That feels so personal. It feels like it's in our home. And I was feeling that as I was driving and through the day, uh, as well as just all the other things that were coming up in the news. But that certainly had its effect. And when we experience something like that and we're feeling those ripple effects, there's, there's a, a vulnerability. It makes us stop. It, it um, 
uh, makes us feel just a little bit more open, but in this kind of uncertain, vulnerable, maybe even fear-based way. And so I was feeling that too that day. And so they were reporting on, uh, you know, what they had learned since the the incident. And so there were some new facts and some just kind of awful things to learn. Um, but then they reported on um, the prime minister, um, Jacinda Arden, Ardern. Uh, isn't she amazing? Just another amazing woman in the world. And how she uh, responded at um, Memorial how she responded to those who were mourning within that particular community, uh, in the Islamic community, there directly in uh, Christchurch and in the country of New Zealand, but also addressing the country as a whole. And whether she knew it or not, she was addressing the world at that moment. We were listening. We, she had our full attention. And what she chose, and you probably remember this, um, what she chose to say was um, very few of her own words, but actually mostly her reciting uh, a piece, uh, a quote from the Prophet Muhammad. And I'd like to share that with you again here. It says, The believers in their mutual kindness, compassion, and sympathy are just like one body. When any part of the body suffers, the whole body feels pain. When any part of the body suffers, the whole body feels pain. And she goes on to say, now in her own words, New Zealand mourns with you. We are one. And it was so, it was like this um, thunderbolt that came through the confusion and the fear. Uh, just that, such a simple, very brief statement uh, to us all in that moment. And so as I'm listening to this, I don't think my jaw actually dropped, but I could feel just this feeling of amazement as I pulled up uh, off of the freeway and was now at a four-way intersection waiting my turn to go. And, And so I'm listening to this in the background and this woman's car comes across and just stops and breaks down right in the middle of the intersection. And this is a really busy intersection. I'm, uh, you know, somewhere in, in Oakland, rush hour, lots of cars, people needing to get places, right? And um, what happened next was, to me, almost just as extraordinary uh, as what the Prime Minister was, was pointing to, very much connected, and that is that nobody honked their horns, Nobody seemed to get upset. People just waited. And the woman in the car was visibly upset. Um, 
and was didn't know what to do and seemed to be panicking and unsure whether to get out or in. And um, another woman pulled her, her car over to one side and got out. I don't think they know each other. She, this was just someone else who was at the stop sign. And she got out and um, is now saying, it's okay, don't, don't worry about it, don't get out of your car. And she's kind of directing, you know, and calming the woman down and she gets back in her car. And the next thing I know are, uh, is a, a large utility truck pulls over and two men get out and come to the middle of the intersection and they both start pushing the car out of the way I mean, this is, these aren't like massive heroics, but at the time it was just, yes. <laughs> They're pushing the car to the side and the other woman is there and the two come together and are, she's consoling the woman and the woman is still kind of trying to explain and the two men are there and they've all got smiles and, and I looked around and everyone uh, at the stop, everyone's smiling like we're all touched by this moment. No horns, no yelling. It was really extraordinary. And then the prime minister in the background. And so then I turn around to the back seat to my toddler who's in the car seat, who I chronically worry about. <laughs> because I can't help it, even though I'm a Dharma teacher and I know worrying doesn't help. But, you know, what can you do? And I worry about him in this world and what his future is and the future of all of our children is. But I turned to him and two things uh, struck me in that moment. One was this feeling of hope, hope for know, people, humanity, hope for the future, um, feeling inspired in that moment, really deeply touched by just simple kindness of strangers and the extraordinary um, presence of a leader who knew how to speak peace in a moment when all we really need right now is for people to speak truth and peace. And she did. And so that feeling of hope was there. But the other thing was uh, this recognition that we as human beings have the capacity for both incredible destruction and harm, uh, violence, and for awakening, for love, connection, healing. And not just us as human beings, you know, human beings over the, the planet, but each and every single one of us, me included, has those capacities that these minds that we have they're not inherently good or bad. You know, we, we come into this world with um, certain personalities and, and certain wellness of the mind, and that does affect things. And then we have our childhoods and our 
experiences, and that affects us deeply too. But these minds, they're, they're not inherently good or bad. They, have, they really have the capacity for the whole spectrum of humanness. And the Buddha knew that. The Buddha knew that because he was a human. Because, you know, he saw that in himself. As uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has this great little quote. It is exactly because the Buddha was a human being that countless Buddhas are possible. It was because he was human and understood humanness that he decided to teach, that he was able to teach so well. Because he saw that, yes, there's this mind that has this capacity for, we could just say, both sides of that spectrum. But it also has this capacity to cultivate and to move more towards this wholesome, kind, compassionate, connected, non-harming mind. That there is a freedom from the violence and the destruction and the harm. But it's a journey that each of us has to take individually. We're waiting for our world to wake up and to be better and for everyone else to get it together, (laughs) right? But it's each of us individually that has to change. And that is the teachings of the Buddha. And so he gave us this, he prescribed for us this path, this practice. Uh, and not just a practice of meditation. We, we talk a lot about meditation here and we, we do uh, uh, our sit at the beginning and um, it's really important. It's, it's uh, a big part of this path. But it's not the only part. Um, He prescribed a life of cultivating through meditation, cultivating more wisdom, compassion, deeper knowing, but also prescribed a life of harmlessness, that we can choose a life of harmlessness. And so even if this is not the lifetime for us to wake up, for you to wake up, for me to wake up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But we can still choose to cultivate ourselves and choose a life of harmlessness. And this uh, life of harmlessness is meant to be a practice in itself. It's not separate from meditation. They, they go together. They support each other. But... Um, it is its own. It's its own practice. It's meant uh, to be something that we're we're always looking deeply. What is my speech like in this situation? Um, taking a a really honest look at our actions, how they affect not just ourselves but others. 
Um, looking at our livelihood. Is our livelihood for just our benefit and the benefit of our, our loved ones? Does it benefit more than that? Is it sending out what kind of ripple effects into the world? This takes a lot of honesty. It takes courage. It takes uh, really analyzing, looking closely, uh, having being in, in conversation with people we, we trust about this sort of thing. It's not just something that we wake up and we're going to be living a life of non-harming. It takes time. But it's really possible in just hearing it. Doesn't that sound worth it? We all, I think we'd like to live a life that doesn't harm others. I don't think we set out in our day to go and harm others. I don't, I think usually um, it's either out of habit, a habit that's just so deeply um, rooted in, in some kind of old um, anger, hatred, uh, greediness, selfishness. Um, a lot of it, though, is just our unconsciousness. Just being unconscious. When we really connect with the, the hatred and the greed, and that's clear, you know, we, it stings. We feel it. But the, if it's unconscious, if we don't really see the patterns and what it's doing, it's really hard to stop those patterns. It's hard to change. But it's possible. And so here's this practice that is aimed directly at your unconsciousness and says, wake up. The Buddha gave us these practices not just for our well-being. He was in the business of waking people up. That's why these practices exist. He wants us to wake up our unconsciousness. Move through this world and... Um, a much more connected way, connected to ourself as well as to others. And so this practice of non-harming, uh, we can start looking at that from a lot of different angles. There's, so, there's actually a lot of practices within uh, the practice of non-harming. Um, so I'm just going to pull... Out a few. I'm just going to tease a few out for us this evening, and we'll get to explore them together. Uh, maybe it's important. Maybe it's not to know that um, in the Pali language, which is the language uh, that the Buddha's teachings were translated to uh, when they first became written word, and not just um, it was a, a, a verbal lineage for a long time. The Pali word um, is sila. And so you'll hear this word around here, sila. And sila is usually translated not so much as non-harming, but um, as virtue. And virtue is um, perhaps what is cultivated from the practice of non-harming. This virtue. I've also heard it uh, described as um, being in harmony, being in harmony with, being in harmony with truth of how things are, being in harmony with um, 
are, who we are at a, at a very deep level, our wholeness, our whole self. And then because we understand that more and more, we're able to understand others through that empathetic connection. And so one way to begin this practice of non-harming is to um, connect with the humanness of each other. You know, we can turn to someone we know or don't know and we have these minds that we see them and immediately we think we have information. You know, we look at them and maybe uh, we see their color of their skin or we see what they're wearing or we see their posture. Maybe we hear their voice and we take in that information. And we have these minds that like to categorize. We like to know things. And the problem is, is that we're not conscious of this. We connect these um, categories with maybe past perceptions, past things that we've learned uh, just historically within our families, within um, generations. It all links up and suddenly we have a story about someone. And this is going to sound ugly, but we quickly decide whether that person is someone we're going to connect with or not. And this is what we do. Sometimes we, there's more in there. We feel safe or we don't feel safe with that person. We don't necessarily know that person. And certainly in that moment, we have such little, and really so much of it is... Um, so it's little information and maybe not even um, correct information. Uh, but we can make quite an assumption in that moment and we're missing that deeper connection of, of humanness. And so I'd like us to um, explore this together right now with a little exercise. And you won't have to talk to whoever it is you turn to. Some of you, that's relieving. But I know, meditators, we're a lot of introverts in the room. (laughs) I say breakout group and everyone, (gasps) I get it. But I'm going to have you turn to someone. You can turn to someone you know, but it might be interesting to turn to someone that you don't know. And if you are at home doing this and you're with somebody right now, you just Turn your bodies towards each other. If you are not with someone at home, um, bring to mind someone in your life that you'd like to um, uh, just connect with in your mind. Okay? So that's your instructions. You can now turn towards someone. It's okay to say, you know, introduce yourself, say your name (laughs) if you don't know them. And then raise your hand if you're wanting to, you're wanting a partner, but you just don't have one yet. Okay, so there's somebody here. Anybody else needing a partner that would like one? 
Okay, so you can join a group of two. You will make a group of three. That's just fine. Yes, yeah, you can be three. That's fine. Okay. Um, oh, one thing about this I neglected to say, that if you are, um, if someone needs to sit on the floor, that both of you sit on the floor. If someone needs to sit in a chair, that you both are sitting in a chair, so that you're at some kind of eye level here. Okay, and really, turn. It, it helps to turn your body. It's okay to move the furniture in here. You can move the chairs. Um, there you go. Okay, and start by just bringing your attention inward. So it's okay to close your eyes and just bring your attention to yourself, whatever that looks like. And breathe. And notice how you're feeling this. We're about to do something. You don't know what it is. And maybe you're with someone you don't know. Maybe it's someone you know. That's how you're feeling about it. Keep breathing. This is going to be pretty simple on your part because I'm going to do, I'm going to guide you. What I do want you to do is um, in a moment, just be aware of the person in front of you. I do want you to have your eyes open for this exercise. So you can gently now open your eyes and you don't have to gaze into their eyes. This doesn't have to be an eye-gazing thing. And that's pretty intimate, isn't it? You know, like that can be really hard for a lot of us. Um, But just have a sense of the person there the best you can. I'm not making light of that. I know this this is hard for some. It's okay. Okay, so this is called the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows, which is a representation of the human experience. We each experience the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows, sometimes within a day, sometimes it's within a lifetime. And so this person in front of you has experienced the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. This person in front of you has experienced sorrow. They've experienced some kind of loss in their life. A loss of a person or people. Perhaps a loss of a job or something they used to do and enjoyed. Loss of location, perhaps. Maybe they've fallen out of love before. A loss of relationship. This person in front of you has experienced uh, 
illness, the body changing, the body breaking down in some way. This person in front of you has experienced disappointment. being let down or maybe a feeling of letting themselves down in some way. They've experienced sadness. They've experienced anger. This person in front of you will continue to age and experience the body changing in that way. And at some point, this person in front of you will die. They'll pass away. Okay? Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Okay. This person in front of you has experienced also the 10,000 joys of life. This person in front of you has experienced connection in some way through friendship, partnership, love. This person in front of you has experienced acts of generosity towards them and has been generous in some way. This person in front of you has seen great beauty. This person in front of you Uh, has experienced some kind of success. Success in achieving something that they wanted or just feeling like they accomplished something. This person has experienced happiness. Maybe even joy. This person in front of you is very alive in this moment. Take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. All right. I'm going to let you just connect for a moment in that. You don't have to say much of anything, um, but you you might mention what that was like for you. Okay? And I'll ring a bell uh, to bring us back. You can go ahead and and talk.
We'll just take another minute. So if one of the people in the group hasn't said anything yet, this is a nice time to allow them that chance. Okay, please thank your partner or partners just for their witnessing and presence. And you can turn your bodies back this way. And then I know there's the volunteers in the room. There's some of you who, will, who uh, are mic passers. We're going to need your help in just a moment. Thanks. I can't hear. <laughs> Nothing important. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's um, let's hear from some of you. And again, if you'll wait for the mic, uh, so that everyone can hear here in the room, and then also those who are online, you can raise your hand, and they'll come to you. What was that like? Great. Hello. Oh. oh, does someone already have a mic? Oh, raise your hand. Oh, here. Okay. Yes, thank you. I don't... Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> um, just sharing with uh, the person that I just did that exercise with what I was... Um, taken with was as you were listing the different things that would have been the harder parts of living and life. Yeah. I started to feel emotions. I mean, at first I would have images of my own version of that and then it would quickly translate to what might that have been for this person. And mm. I really appreciated even the sensation of starting to feel sad or emotional as that was being um, offered in those examples and um, and then it was also emotional hearing about some of the joyful things that might have been in her life and I really appreciate having that moment with a perfect stranger and suddenly really having a lot of compassion and um, empathy develop through that exercise so that was really nice Yeah, thank you and I mean, it's kind of a, it's interesting because those were very generic prompts, but it speaks to the humanness or it speaks to the human experience that you could have been matched up with anyone in this room, right? Yeah. We come up with the story of what, you know, what might have happened, but... 
you know, we don't know really, but we do, we can connect with, yeah, this is, we share this, this human peace. Yeah. Okay. What else? Oh, yeah, there were some hands over here. Yeah, well, it was really nice to get to meet this young lady, Sally, here, so I appreciate that. And when you talked about the 10,000, um, the joys and things, and when we you mentioned about this mind. person has experienced joy, um, I just began to tear up. Like, mm-hmm. there was this, and I can feel it again, I can feel it right now. Like, I could just, I just could just feel it coming from her. Mm-hmm. And so I was moved by that, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Just wait for. Great. Hi, I'm Sophia. And um, the share was so intimate. And just looking in his eyes, and um, it could have been anybody. But also just to say, yeah, 55 years of going through all of these ups and downs and and it just took all that pettiness and everyday routine and things that happen or disappointments away mm. it was just like yeah we're human beings you know and I forget that yeah. so this is such a good exercise to call back to yeah, yeah. thank you okay. anything else we've got a few up front. <laughs> My first time doing anything like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were threesome. Mm-hmm. And um, we all went right to the stages of life. So the youngest of us looking ahead and the oldest of us I think maybe looking back, and um, I don't, we were all just right there somehow. So it was very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, as my partner has accurately, we covered three different generational, you know, spaces, different demographics, <laughs> and, and yet um, the wonderful thing about that exercise, every time I've done it, is how it takes all of that time and experience and specific outcomes away and like drawing back the curtain and you see oh it's just this it's always just this although I'm 30 years or so older than the man behind me mm-hmm. he too will see the end of his life yeah. may it be far out there in the future for you mm-hmm. our friend Sylvia says um, don't be afraid of growing old it's a privilege that is not uh, communicated to everyone. Yeah. It's, and it, it's a delightful thing to see people take away differences and find similarities. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's not... We have no idea. We have no idea the end of these lives. It's guaranteed. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's always a surprise. It's... um. 
we don't know the end. We don't, and we just, you know, when we look at each other, we don't, we don't see this landscape of life necessarily. It's not, it's not how our brains are really wired, you know. They say our brains are really more wired for survival. So we're looking for danger. We're looking for safety, that kind of thing. But because we're human beings, we, we I'd like to think our brains are at least complicated, if not evolved. <laughs> we, we do have this ability to, to tap into this larger reality or perspective of each other if, we, if we're tuned into it, if we know to look there and to practice in this way. And so maybe this is the place to start with a practice of non-harming, is to start looking more at, at not just how can we look at people and, and think of this particular exercise and, and bring that forward, but also look at how are we not doing that? Like where are the places where... Um, we're just so used to falling into our uh, assumptions, our prejudices, biases. This is, this is usually how our, our mind is working. And so looking at this, this is part of the Buddhist practice. Talk a lot about a meditation. But uh, this too is, is key to waking up. It's our own awakening, but you can see our awakening is, it'll never just be our awakening. When our minds and our hearts start to free themselves, the way that we are in the world is affected. What we put out into the world is affected. Those ripple effects that go out from what we do, what we say, what we cultivate, uh, it makes a difference. And each and every one of us. And so that's also what we're doing here. Okay. So, um, maybe a couple more things. You know, I'm giving you a snapshot of Sila. Uh, and so you, you can now get curious about it and go looking for uh, Dharma talks and books and uh, go into the bookstore there and see what you can find. Um, so connecting is huge. Uh, how we lose, use our language. There's actually uh, a lot of suggestions from, from the Buddhist practice on how to cultivate our speech. Um, again, so much of the time here we're in silence, so we may not even consider it. Uh, but actually, there's a lot of instruction around speech. And not just, you know, what comes out of our mouth, but now, you know, what we hit send to, what we um, text each other, however we're communicating. Even looking at our, our body language and how um, uh, we are with our presence with, with another person or a group of people. There's instruction around this. And I'm going to give you the uh, abridged version of it tonight. 
And that is to notice um, with your mindfulness, with your awareness, is what you're saying true? We're asked to be truth tellers here. And that's not always easy. And it's, it doesn't always feel right, you know. Am I going to get in trouble or someone else in trouble? Could I cause harm by telling the truth? It's not always that simple. So there's more to it that helps with that. Uh, is it true? Is it timely? It might be true. But is this the right moment? And so one way to uh, think of this, if you're with someone and you, you care about them and they're needing to hear a truth, you have something that you feel like, this is important, I want them to hear this, I want them to know it. Uh, are you telling it in a moment where they're, they're available to hear what you're saying? Uh, are you choosing a moment, um, maybe you're, you're not really consciously choosing it, maybe you're kind of, you know, in some kind of argument or it, things are getting heated and it just, you know, all of a sudden it comes flying out of your mouth and it might be really true, but not so timely. Is it true? Is it timely? Uh, and then is it empathic? Is it connected? Is the reason you're saying what you're saying to connect? Or is it to create disconnect? Uh, I like this one, this last one in particular, because I feel like um, wherever, whenever it seems a little like I'm hitting a gray area, I'm not sure if this is really wise speech, I can look at my intention. Am I saying this because I really want to connect with this person or am I saying it because I want to be manipulative in this moment and get my way? Am I saying it um, because they hurt me earlier and now this is my revenge? I'm going to, you know, zing back. Um, Am I saying this at the expense of someone else? Maybe I'm connecting with this person here because we're talking about somebody else in a way that's actually really divisive. So are we using our language? Are we using our communication in a way that connects? And you'll notice, you know, all these practices, there's the external piece, but then there's also the internal piece. You'll notice how it feels when we're using our our language in a way that um, makes us uh, disconnected from another person, there's something within us that disconnects. There's something uh, not in alignment internally. We feel it. It's it's a tightness. It's um, a feeling of being off in some way. Or maybe it's more intense than that. If we clue into... Uh, these practices, we start to see the subtlety of how our language with each other affects us personally as well as the other person. Uh, And then the other piece is um, around language, but also our communication, but also um, our actions. How are we behaving Uh, Are we behaving in a way that creates 
some kind of disconnect? Um, are we causing harm in some way with uh, how we're being with another person or being in the world? There's again a whole set of practices I won't get into here. The precepts in particular, if you want to look those up, Google them. <laughs> They'll come up. Uh, but uh, what I find most helpful is um, with these practices is uh, slowing down. That we have to we have to slow down. We have to pause. We have to become more conscious of what we're actually doing. So many of us, so much of the time, we're just on this autopilot. We're moving through the world in in a way that we're already 10 steps ahead of ourselves. You know, we're not necessarily right here and present with what's going on here. We have an agenda. We have a to-do list. Uh, We have um, something, you know, about us is really important and we need to fulfill that. And our happiness, we think, depends on it. We can be so driven in this way. And in the meantime, we're missing each other. We're missing the effects that we have. Even the most subtle things we, we call uh, cause these, these micro-aggressions or this, these moments of harm that... You know, they, that's a, the term microaggression, but it's, it kind of demeans the effect. Uh, what we do and say matters on such a major level. They're not micro. They are things that we know from being harmed ourselves. We carry it with us. You know, we might not even be able to trace it back to the origins, but of how we were hurt in a particular way, but there's a residue that we find ourselves with. And we don't want to be causing that for other people. We have to slow down. We have to pause. Become more conscious of just how are we moving through the world. And when we do that and we're able to connect with the people that we're with or that we're passing, um that we're sitting next to. There's something within us that's touched, that's connected, um, that becomes a little more whole than it was before. That not enoughness, that loneliness, that searching for something that just doesn't seem to be there. Uh, It's just to be touched and filled and connected, the dots start to connect on who we are. We see it in others, and others become mirrors of ourself. We get to see just what type of person are we really uh, as we start to connect in this deeper way with other people. So um, those are those are my thoughts for this evening there's it's a really large topic that i'm i'm trying to bring into the room this evening um but sometimes uh just that little you know drop droplet of of something is enough and then you can take it home with you and allow it to 
develop in whatever way it needs to. I do want to open it up for some questions or comments. Uh, so those who are running the mics can come around and we can hear from you. And we'll just, we'll take a few and then we'll, we'll end our time together. There's someone way over here. Thank you. Um, I'm really new to um, meditation. I mean, this is my very first time, but that was the longest I've ever tried it. So oh, thanks for that. Great. Yeah, wonderful. Um, but um, there were a couple of things. I had one question and then one observation. I um, I was wondering what I have heard before that if you have um, some kind of pain or sensation or something that and you can tell me uh, that that maybe you sort of observe it and and place your attention on it for a little while mm-hmm. and see if it moves or whatever. So my my butt was getting really sore during yeah. this, um, and and observing it did not make it go away at all. No. And, um, <laughs> so I just had a question about that, and then I just what um, and I enjoyed the. Um, the, I mean, enjoyed. I I got a, a lot out of the exercise. Great. Um, and then the but the observation was you had talked about that story that you told earlier, and I remember hearing a while ago um, that not only doing an act of kindness makes you feel really good, and but observing acts of right. kindness actually makes you feel really good too. So thanks for that story. That was cool. Yeah, thank you. And I'll just then um, say something about the discomfort in the body and um, how to practice with that. And it's true. I mean, sometimes we, we can put attention on a sensation and that's intense and we realize, oh, it's not as intense as I thought it was. It's not really pain. It's just kind of achy and, oh, it's moving and, oh, it's here, it's gone, it's here, it's gone. And then other times (laughs) we put our attention on something and it just magnifies or it just hangs out for the whole time. And so there's different ways you can do it, uh, work with it. You can get curious about it if it's not over overwhelming, you can get curious about it. Sometimes uncomfortable sensation, uh, for some of us, not everyone is this way, but the mind can really get focused on an uncomfortable sensation. So you can play around with that. Um, if it's over, if it's kind of overwhelming, like it starts to get really tight for example, in the body. That's a nice indicator that something needs to shift is the, you start feeling like you're sitting like this and you can't wait for the bell to ring. Um, then try to shift your attention to something else. And I know this is challenging for people who have chronic pain um, or are dealing with something new in the body that is just really painful. Moving the attention, it's just so loud. It can be really hard to move the attention. So if you can't move the attention to something that's more relaxing or feels better, then expand the attention to include more than just that really difficult 
uh, sensation. And one way to do this is not necessarily to expand attention to physical sensation, but um, move into sound. Sound is very spacious. And so just like the breath or the body um, sensations, you can just pay attention to the sound in the room, allow the sound come to you. You don't have to label what the sounds are, try to figure them out or come up with stories about. You're just observing uh, that sound, knowing you're hearing. And sometimes that just gives a little more spaciousness to what otherwise can feel a bit too intense. How's that? Okay, good. Anything Anything else? Any other questions about meditation practice or um, the topic this evening? There's a hand up here. Um, um, my question is when doing this and kind of thinking about it um, afterwards, the, the practice we did with the people around us is how much I feel like in my like day-to-day life, sometimes it gets overwhelming yeah. to try to connect with people. Sure. And then trying to, you know, deal with that sense of being overwhelmed while still trying to connect through that and, you know, reach through it. And I'm just wondering, I don't know, thoughts or ideas. It, it, can I ask you a question about sure. that? Is it the, it's intense, um, it's hard connecting with others like in conversation or is it more like that more like deep deeper trying to connect in some other way yeah it's usually kind of deeper i'm I'm a teacher so okay working with kids they can be pretty raw yeah they can and so that that feeling of like whoa you know as you're kind of working with kids yeah um i find consistently just being like like almost turned off yeah and then trying to come back at it again Great question. Okay, so this and this applies to all of us. Um, although we're we're looking at this practice, tapping into the humanness of each other and that connection, it's also important to identify that we are individuals. You know, we are also like this is Kate. This is my body. There's no question in my mind about that. <laughs> Right, and so having um, just a sense of of boundary between your yourself and other people can be really healthy and helpful. And um, ways to do that um, can be one: just noticing your own experience while connecting with someone else, or even the anticipation of sometimes it's just the anticipation of connecting with someone, um, and just really honoring your own capacity, which our capacities, they fluctuate. So when we're really tired, uh, we are really stressed, our capacity for that connection might go down. Um, We might need to be more internal and go inward a little more. Honor that. You know, that can be something important. That might be good information to have and take care of. And there's other times where you might feel you know, you can take it all in. You can, someone comes to you and they have uh, something really intense to share or you've got one of your students who comes and is spilling their guts and you might right then be ready for that. And so it's a dance. All of this, we're all in flux. 
our energy levels, our, our, our mental capacities, our heart capacity. It's, it's always in movement. It's always changing. And so really the way we can use the practice is just staying attuned to that, moving with it. Um, that harmlessness to be in harmony with. We need to be in harmony with ourselves too in the process. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm going to end it there. And just again, thank you all for coming this evening. It was really lovely spending this time with you. And one of the ways that I um, always end uh, the group that I lead in Berkeley, the Insight Meditation Community of Berkeley, come anytime. We're here, there every Thursday at the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the way we end every Thursday evening is with a dedication of merit. And I'd like to share that tradition with you. We're not going over time. Um, and this is just a moment to acknowledge that we may come here for ourselves, for our own well-being, our, our own hearts and minds, and we come and, and we cultivate in this way through meditation and listening to the Dharma and exploring this within ourselves. This is such a wholesome way to spend your evening. Um, you could be doing a lot of other things, and maybe they're wholesome, maybe not. Um, but you chose this, and this is wholesome. This is wholesome. And um, we can um, also acknowledge that when we cultivate this wholesomeness together or within ourselves, that it has that ripple effect that goes out in the world, how what we get from this we carry with us. And that affects the people in our lives, our loved ones, the people we work with, uh, the people we encounter throughout our day in our communities. And I truly believe that it has a ripple effect that goes out in ways that we don't even begin to understand. And so in that spirit, we can dedicate the, the merit, the wholesomeness of our time here spent together, uh, not just to ourselves, but to all beings everywhere. And so we'll do that now, and you can do that however is most natural for you. And you take a moment to dedicate the merit this evening to all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and contentment in their lives. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings be free. May we all be free. So, thank you. Drive carefully. Thank you for your attention this evening.